0: Hello, free thinkers. I'm Mickey Z, and I welcome you to PostWoke, the New York City-based podcast where we practice intellectual self-defense.
1: And I really believe, I really believe in the ripple effect of energy of, of us as beings. Yes. Um, we need to play more. Uh, when we get become adults, we become these weird like automatons that have to pay bills and all that shit. And I've never been into that either. Um, we, we forget that playing, life is playing. We, we, we're older, but we still, we need to laugh and play.
0: That was Dr. Jessica Rose, a Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, VAERS, analyst, and a computational biologist who specializes in biomathematics and molecular research. She is also a return guest on PostWoke. If you check the show notes, you will find a link to our first conversation back in February, and you will also find a link to Dr. Rose's substack. And I will be right back with my excellent conversation with Dr. Jessica Rose after this brief word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z here, and I'm asking you to offer some support for a project that I've been running for nearly six years. It's called Helping Homeless Women NYC. And as the name implies, I've been getting out there on the streets for, like I said, nearly six years to offer direct relief to some of the most vulnerable yet fiercest women you'll ever want to meet. If you check the show notes, you will find a direct link for how to donate at GoFundMe. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon patron or in ordering uh, restaurant gift cards directly from my wishlist, shoot me an email and I'll send you that information. But I'm just requesting some support, thanking you in advance and asking you no matter what to please share the link far and wide. Now, let's get back to the show. And I'm here with Dr. Jessica Rose. Jessica, welcome back to PostWoke.
1: Hi, thanks for having me again. It's been a while, hey?
0: Yeah, actually, that was the perfect segue. I was just about to say it's been almost eight months. It was early February since our initial interview, which, by the way, I will add, it was a very, very popular episode. People adore you and justifiably so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Our focus back then was almost primarily on VAERS and other adverse event related topics. So in light of eight months passing, I'm curious, I, I, see, I see that in those ensuing eight months, you've been relentlessly working for the common good and reaching so many people in the process. You've become a leading voice in the movement against medical tyranny. And in the process, you've become a freedom movement action hero of sorts. If I remember correctly, there was a sticker or something made of you. So, which was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I <laughs> Did I embarrass
1: you by saying that? But I thought it was cool. No, no, I I think people are so adorable. And, yes. Uh it's, it's, it's surreal. You know, it's like, it reminded me of the trading cards that I used to play
0: with when I was young. Yeah. When I saw it, it gave Mm -hmm. such a big smile. And I said, this was well-earned and I like, (laughs) I like living in a culture that's moving in a direction where people doing the work you're doing are getting that type of playful and, and, um, and respectful admiration. So, but since, since eight months have passed, what I'd just like to begin with is your sense of where we're at eight months later. I mean, what has surprised you the most since our last chat in February? What has disappointed you? What has sparked the most optimism? Just share with the, me and the audience, um, what it's like to be you and what you're experiencing in your work over the past eight months.
1: Uh, hmm, lots of questions. Uh, I think I, I haven't been surprised by much, to be honest i'm I'm just trying to be as patient as I can be, which is really hard for me because I'm not patient at all. Um, but people are slowly coming around in my perception, and the the people who have already come around are really solidifying, and this is very important. Um, there 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 are some um uh dissonances within you know the the even the the so-called good guy groups but on the whole it's the movement is very strong and it's congealing um so as per the you know what's going on with adverse events which is you know basically my meat uh no surprises i mean uh they continue to accumulate uh as per pharmacovigilance databases and you know word of mouth from doctors and hospitals um it's very clear now very clear that the the shots do not work um and are not safe for at least a subset of people and we're still trying to figure out why that is a lot of us have a good idea um but uh, we haven't we haven't completely um congealed on exactly what uh what the reasons are so yeah it's 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 been uh it's been you know just slowly evolving uh in a good way i guess
0: yeah i I you you come across to me as somebody who is patient, but I patient, but I will take your word for it if you say you're not. Mm-hmm. No, 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 I'm not patient. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, which because maybe I'm equating. Well, you have a very mellow way of speaking, and I know you're a surfer, and I think of surfers as patient. And I I do want to ask you a surfing question later, but awesome. um, can How I about that? <laughs> Can I, um, when you say there's a subset and you have some ideas, is it too early for you to, to discuss that at all? Would you prefer to wait till there's more no, data? No,
1: no, no I'm, I'm very happy to because- Oh, please um, do. Often, yeah, oftentimes, uh, well, that's what this is for, for me too. I mean, uh, that's what Substack is really valuable for as well. There's a lot of really smart people out there with, with a massively um, interesting backgrounds. What is that sound? Uh, anyway, and uh, so uh, sometimes you, I get a lot of uh, great feedback and great ideas from people who are listening in. So the the idea now, of course, everybody's heard that the spike is cytotoxic and that um, uh, th- this is one of the primary reasons for uh, a lot of epithelial cell damage, for example. This is an idea. So... The, the question is, why, why is it only a certain percentage of people are getting damaged? And why is there such a range of damage within that percentage? So there, there's an idea going around that it's more than an idea, actually. it's I, I, I'm pretty sure that this is very much a part of it. Um, it has to do with whether or not you're getting injected with full-length uh, template of spike protein. Mm-hmm. Um, So if you are not getting injected with full-length spike, you're going to have a a different, um, it's going to have a different impact immunologically, certainly than if you um, are not. So that's one thing. And that's going to tie into the, um, the mode of distribution. We know now that the lipid nanoparticles, which are the casing of the modified mRNA biodistribute. So if the injection itself uh, does not involve aspiration, which is pulling back on the needle to see if you've hit a blood vessel, then it's going to be a different experience, again, uh wise and immunologically than if, if you, you were aspirated. So there's that element or those elements I should say, but more interestingly recently, I've been having really good discussions about the lipid nanoparticles themselves so from the very beginning, I've been uh, very, very curious about the toxicity of the lipid nanoparticles themselves. I've written a number of substacks about this. I've talked pretty incessantly about the cationic lipid t- toxicity, which is one of the four lipids uh, that comprise the lipid nanoparticles of the Moderna and the Pfizer products. But, but um, PEG, this polyethylene glycol, which is the... Um, the slippery surface coating that they use as one of the four is, has co- come more to the forefront of my attention now. And the reason why is because when, when these lipid nanoparticles are manufactured, there's, there's always a, a chance that the manufacturing won't be perfectly complete. And what that might mean is that you wouldn't get a uh, homogeneous coating of PEG, this polyethylene glycol, these polyethylene glycol molecules on the outside of the lipid nanoparticle. And if you didn't get that, if you had the the pegylation happening uh, to create longer strings of uh, ethylene uh, glycol molecules that would leave so-called empty spots in the the surface coating of the, the lipid nanoparticle, then my... My thought would be that you would have um, a lower association with adverse events because the biodistribution wouldn't be as uh, severe. So there, there's a number of ideas floating around about this that all kind of make sense. And you know, it's probably a combination of many things, which is annoying because. As you're probably aware, the benchmark that we really require to be being done right now to figure out exactly what's going on with the people who are suffering adverse events, especially severe ones, is not being done. Mm. So, yeah, yeah.
0: To to follow up on that, to make sure I I understood, what it sounds like to me is that while they're telling us over and over, quote unquote, trust the science even the the best science is at the mercy of these potential human errors when you mention the aspiration whether or not the person pulls back to check if they hit a blood vessel that I would imagine has a lot to do with a combination of the person giving the injections training and also just they're human beings like you don't know what happened 15 seconds before they did this and then when you talked about the peg like you said there's the in the in the production process it's not going, just by definition, nothing is going to be perfect. And all the more reason why the whole warp speed concept was completely, um, not just irrational, but but uh, criminal.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I love that you visualize in um, down to the individual level, because that's what I do as well. And I think it's really important because, you know, when you come down to it, we're all the same. Uh, we all pretty much behave the same way. But you should know that it, they actually, I think it's on the CDC website, it might be the FDA. They, no, it's the CDC. They recommend, they actually have in writing, they recommend not to aspirate, which is bizarre world. It's wow. absolutely bizarre world. Because if you don't, then the chances that you're going to hit a blood vessel, either a big one or a small one, is much higher of course because you're not checking i mean wow. it's it's yeah it's ludicrous so but you're so right I mean, how many unqualified people were giving these injections out i mean we're we're literally talking about billions yes, so you have to wonder what percentage of those people actually were just um I don't know. Not qualified to be doing it, uh, which is a very, very scary thought, actually.
0: Yeah, it's somewhat related to that. I live in New York City, and as you probably know, New York, many New Yorkers are clinging on with with tight fists to the pandemic narrative. They're still. They finally stopped. Demanding that we wear masks on the subway—not that I wore one to begin with—but people still wear them. And if you walk around New York City, you can't go more than a block or two without seeing like a pop-up tent for PCR testing. And you, yeah, and you walk past, and there'll be um, somebody, maybe like a college kid, working there part time in in pre- virtually a spacesuit, like out of a movie. Like, <laughs> and so someone I know who lives in Maryland was talking about how um, when they went for a test there that the person said, "I no, you, you can't give yourself the test. There's a certain way to do it. And I'm thinking, what are the odds? What are the odds of these thousands upon thousands of relatively young people do, as a part-time job in these pop-up tents all over the five boroughs of New York? What are the odds that they even know how to give this test, not that the test works to begin with? And then when you take that to the next level and a far Far more dangerous level, like you just said, the the lack of training, not to mention the not factoring in d- the the, irre- the in- inevitable chance of human error when it comes to giving out these injections. Again, I use the word as criminal. It's 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 it's, it's, it's audacious that they could <laughs> that they can go this far. And living in New York, I feel like um, it's not audacious because. Um, very few people are still to this day we're coming up on October 2022 and they're still not really questioning it and and uh, I feel like I'm in a bit of a time warp here
1: yeah that's really 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 like weird and overkill like come on guys are you serious come <laughs> on guys what happened to common sense i mean the, that whole test the whole testing thing from beginning to end is is i, I don't know what else to call it but false you know, what was it? 95% of the tests that they did, they're not even tests were false positives because they were done improperly. And and that's from, that's from the actual PCR reaction point of view. That's not having anything to do with whether or not the um, so-called sampling was done properly on site. So, and beyond the fact that it's all BS anyway, because (laughs) I mean, uh, it's, it's just so beyond me that that's, that's still so prevalent in a city like New York. I mean, really? Yeah. Where are the hordes of people saying, okay, we're done with this. We really just want to keep living our lives.
0: Well, there's not hordes. Of them. There, there, there are some of them in New York, and there are certainly hordes elsewhere. Um, but in my hometown, uh, the the prevalent mindset is that just they're just waiting for the next wave, almost like with anticipation. It's so, which which leads me to a question here. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was looking up images of you for promotional purposes for this, I I found. In a Google image search, a picture of you with a quote next to your face that said, "I just told the globalists they're going to fail." So my first, <laughs> so my first question is, is that an accurate quote? And if so, oh, yeah. okay. So if so, please share with us the the optimism and the motivation you have to share this such a strong and much needed uh, statement, particularly in my in my hometown.
1: Yeah. So it's not really optimistic. it's just um, it's, it's logic in my own brain, although I you know logic isn't my forte. Um, I, I did an interview with Sam Bailey that was really fun and I, I said that on her uh, podcast. And the reason I said it is because I absolutely wholeheartedly believe that this this whole plan is going to fail. And the reason I believe that is because um, they didn't ask anyone first. And they're, they didn't factor in to their set of equations the human spirit, hmm. um, which you cannot, no matter what you do, you cannot kill the human spirit in all the humans. You can do it in a lot of them, but you're not going to eradicate it because it's kind of intertwined with with nature itself, Um so it's kind of like trying to control chaos. You can't do that. So my, my hypothesis is that if, if they had hired, if these creepy billionaires had hired um, some people who are a little bit more enlightened, um, who, who might actually share some of the um, the uh, non-psychopathic views, like, i.e. having a world that we can all live in and be happy in, which, you know, basically when they say it, it's rhetoric, but it is a nice idea, right? We we all should live harmoniously on this beautiful planet together. Um, But they should have consulted with some people uh, who are a little bit more enlightened, like I said, because I think what they would have told them is you have to give the people the choice, it's, it kind of boils down to the last scene in The Matrix where they, they ended the war and they're going to maintain this state of peace uh, by allowing the subpopulation of people who want to live in the real world to have a choice to do so. Because you're always going to have a much larger percentage of people, in my opinion, who actually want to be in the matrix. Yeah, if That's what they want. So they could have succeeded with their plan. They could have had their, you know, you'll own nothing and be happy. And, <laughs> and we would have had our own, you know, world to live in and actually have been happy. So that's how I think it's going to fail because they're literally uh, just um, forcefully trying to impose this, this psychotic garbage on absolutely everyone, and it, it can't work. I'm not saying that a lot of people aren't going to die and suffer, um, not to be too pessimistic, but ultimately, I, I do believe that they, they will fail. That's why I said that.
0: Uh, well, thank you. And I have to say, I feel like I'm on the same wavelength and have been because I watch them these powers that shouldn't be, these parasites, I call them, that they, they, they are so open with their plans, which shows to me this this incredible overconfidence and arrogance, that, arrogance. They can, that they can tell us we're going to do this, this, and eat this, and you're going to eat crickets and all this. And they just have the faith that they can't lose. And the phrase that I've said over and over to people in writing and on podcasts was that they've overplayed their hand. They had a certain amount of power. But to use your phrase now, they've underestimated the spirit of the of what they view as the opposition, perhaps. And I, I feel like we're on the same wavelength and and I also hesitate to call that by any dictionary definition optimism. But when you consider the alternative, it is optimistic compared to just global enslavement where everybody just lines up because people aren't just lining up. I mean, no matter what I say about New York, I feel we're the anomaly. I, you know, I'm in contact with people all over as you are and the the spirit is, is shining strong and growing in numbers on a daily basis. And that gives me some sense of, of, again, for lack of a better word, optimism.
1: Yeah. I think that they, the, the, the main players don't have a human spirit, which is, um, profoundly sad to me, and it's amazing because I, I know this is ridiculous, but I even have empathy for them. I shouldn't because you can't have true empathy for for evil. That that you know, yeah. evil is its own entity, and and it's evil for 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 definition reasons. Um, but yeah, the the yeah the the spirit is is the spiritual part of being um and it it you just can't quell that it's you can't even contain it it's uh and and you know everybody has it it's just that i think a lot of humans have um i think the right word is disconnected uh from their true spiritual essence and it is an essence uh it's there and, and I think that's why a lot of people are using the phrase or the the, the terminology, uh, you know, people who are awake and not awake. I, I'm not sure, like, I don't really align with with that because it implies that people are asleep. Um, and I, I haven't figured out exactly the yeah. words I'd rather use to describe it yet, but it has more to do with, um, I don't know, the connection. But anyway, yeah, I I think that uh, they, they they made a miscalculation and I think that you're probably correct that they've 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 showed too many cards too early. Um, thank you for saying that and I, I it, because you do
0: want to hear these type of this type of reinforcement this positive reinforcement on on a regular basis not being in denial but recognizing all the elements at play, like I feel like you said, they're not recognizing all the elements in play. Like when you're, when you are almost like factoring out this sense of human spirit and human spirituality, you are setting yourself up to fail, as you said in that interview. So I, I'm not saying, and again, as you said, it's, it's not saying this is going to be Easy. This is going, they have a lot of resources on their side and their propaganda machines, I think is what creates that disconnect as you describe it. And I share your hesitation with the awake and not awake because it does sound, um, it doesn't sound inviting to get people to listen to you if you're calling them asleep, exactly. you know? Exactly. So, how, so what language uh-huh. do you use exactly. to say, Hey, could you give me a chance? Or in your case, look at the research and the work I'm doing. I'm not calling you yeah. asleep, but I'm saying that there's part of the story that they're hiding from you. Would you just look at it? You know, like how do you condense that into a catchphrase of like something better than wake and not uh, awake or not awake, but, um,
1: yeah, but. If- it's so much deeper than that and i mean i i feel really lucky to be going through this process because i like poof when 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 i open my eyes to what's what the world actually is right now the way that it runs or or doesn't run um the the way that quote unquote food is manufactured just the fact that it is manufactured mm. in in the for the most part for many people the fact that something called factory farming exists yeah. the fact that we we do so many things that are so contra um nature and the source and the living being i mean if people We're a little bit more connected to even those fundamental things about life. I think it would be easier for them to see that this particular episode that we're in with these injections is like, it's absolutely just another one of these things that's literally being done to us. Yes. It has nothing to do with health. It has nothing to do with balance. It has nothing to do with with kindness or sharing or goodness or benevolence or anything that promotes uh productive well-being for example it's th- this is just <laughs> i mean land grabs money gains uh power gra- gains it's all this stupid stuff that has nothing to do with value in in my opinion so it's like yeah people need to i i watched a, a documentary i'm thinking about this as i'm talking to you um about food the other day. I, I watch a lot of documentaries that have nothing to do with anything, but this was um, absolutely fascinating. They did this comparative analysis, literally a chemical analysis of the, the fast food ingredients and the fat content and the sugar content and this garbage that people eat all the time in different parts of the world. And and the, the shit that they're peddling, pardon my language, in India, for example, in the form of KFC (Kentucky Fried Chicken), is so much more dangerous to your health than in France, for example. Wow! And I thought it was really fascinating because these these components that they're adding are are by design to addict people, and and then people are wondering why a quarter of their population is suddenly morbidly obese. And then the pharmaceutical companies benefit once again from, from this, um, from, from this uh, pandemic, because that's a real pandemic, Obesities and, and malnutrition is, I mean, yes, people are starving, but I think as many people are morbidly obese and suffering from major health issues on, on that end of the spectrum. So, and, and there's something I learned from this doco called, um, it's called ad gaming. I think it's either game advertisement or ad gaming. And I learned that it's illegal for these food and and, and nasty, uh, you know, fast food companies to advertise to children under 12 uh, using video games, but they're doing it anyway. And so they did this, this study and they interviewed these children and these parents and It's just amazing. Nobody knows that they're being, um, it's not even subliminal. The messages are very clear and present while these little people, little people, like four-year-olds, are playing these video games. And then all of a sudden, they're craving a Fanta or they want to go out to get some chicken nuggets. And the the whole thing was so insidious. Now, that, that to me is evil. That doesn't deserve Um, empathy. So- I'm ranting about this because I think it's all the same bloody stuff.
0: I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, amen to everything you just said. And and you connected so many dots to, to what we said earlier in the sense of like trying to feel empathy. I, I, want to feel empathy for somebody that's been literally programmed since they're four like it's it's hard to blame that person this little this little mm-hmm. person as you yes. said and yeah. and the parents can't even see it or perhaps they live in a situation where they don't have the financial resources to be overseeing them all the time at some point the kids are out of your grasp and that's when literally evil people step in and say haha you're alone let's let's turn you into a future consumer and and part of being a future consumer is being obese and sick so that you're going to be hooked on our pharmaceuticals for the rest of your life. And that's, a, to me, it's a very motivating factor that we, that if you're doing this work and you're doing your best to, for lack of a better word, stay awake, you have a responsibility to share it and help us, get it out there and help as many people as possible. And uh, so I'm, thank you for that. And do you remember the name of the documentary by any chance off the top of your head?
1: Oh, God. Um, no, okay. if you remember.
0: Uh, I saw, email,
1: you yeah, can, sure. If, I, I saw it on YouTube, and it was just one, one of the more recent ones. Um, oof, I don't remember. Right. Uh, something about food, something. I don't know.
0: Okay, but, you, um, this won't go live till Monday. If you remember over the weekend, you e- email it to me. I'll include it in the show notes. But I feel like you gave me this perfect um, segue also to ask a surfing-related question. Do you want to shift gears really quickly?
1: Oh, yeah.
0: So (laughs) All right, so I'm going to set this up that I got into Noam Chomsky when I was younger. And unfortunately, he's taken quite a negative turn now. But I consider him to be somebody that helped me see the world differently. And as you know, in the 50s, he became this iconic linguist and cognitive science. And by the 60s, he was this dissident. And he was always asked, um, do you see a connection between these two parallel paths? And he would always deny there's no connection. But I, I found that to be uh, maybe a little bit like uh, disingenuous. There had to be a connection. And and even myself, like I've done writing and podcasting and public speaking, but I have a whole parallel life where I've been a fitness trainer and a martial artist, and I have no trouble finding the connections between the lessons learned in one realm and the other. So you maybe know where I'm going here, but you you have become – such an important voice in terms of stepping up against medical tyranny and and teaching us the type of information. So I'll just speak for myself. What you just taught me in the early part of this interview, I don't have the knowledge to learn that on my own, and I don't have necessarily constant access to it. And you're a voice for that and a valuable resource. So that path versus being an avid and a competitive surfer, do you See a, an obvious parallel between these two life paths, perhaps something related to working in concert with nature as of, as opposed to working to impose yourself on nature. I don't know. That's that's my that's my guess about you and surfing.
1: Yeah, it's all just hard stuff. Like, um, I I've never been someone who uh, can do stuff if my heart's not in it, which is why I was really not so, um, uh, happy with school. Um, you know, I, I was like barely in high school at all. I don't even know how I graduated. Um, cause I, yeah, I just didn't, I didn't like being, you know, shuffled from class to class and and being told, I have to learn this and that. And it's like there were, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I really enjoyed some classes, like my physics classes and my math classes are really loved. Um, but you know, it, the I get it, you know, you have to have variety, but it it just didn't suit me. Um, so, yeah, it's just the hard stuff. Like m- my education is appropriate for analyzing this stuff. and uh, my heart's naturally in it because, I mean, I, um, I love studying viruses and I love data and I love patterns. So, and the surfing is, is it's the same thing. I mean, my, my heart is so in that. I mean, it's it's in spite of me. I'm completely controlled. I, I don't, there's no thinking at all. I just, all of a sudden I, I have my board on my head and I'm halfway <laughs> to the sea. And I'm like, oh, okay. I guess I'm going surfing, <laughs> uh-huh. and then but, I'm like on a wave, and I'm like, okay, I guess I caught that wave. Oh, this is really fun. Let's go to the nose. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, it's uh... a. <laughs> that's <laughs> beautiful. I just,
0: that is, yeah. that, I just love hearing that. That's that that sense of like your heart just just makes a decision, like time to surf, and your body says, okay. Here the next thing you yeah, look up, it's
1: playing. You know, yeah. that's that's a really important way uh, to, to segue again, like people need to, 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 you know, I know everyone's stressed out and, and there's food shortage coming and a lot of people are going to suffer. But um, just to kind of turn that on its ass. Um, and, and I really believe I really believe in the ripple effect of energy of, of us as beings. Yes. Um, we need to play more. Uh, when we get become adults, we become these weird like automatons that have to pay bills and all that shit and i 've never been into that either um we We forget that playing life is playing we we we're older, but we still we need to laugh and play we need to go outside and we need to jerk around and and throw jellyfish on each other and <laughs> and, and you know it 's really important and it 's so stress relieving. So I just yeah I think that's so important right now, and I know how hard it is because everyone is so stressed out. So, um, but the great thing about going outside, just literally going outside, I find the the play the playfulness of Mother Earth is kind of just there to support you. So if you just kind of let your feet go one in front of the other, then it kind of happens in spite of you. That's what happens to me anyway. Ah. Huh. Thank you for that beautiful reminder. It, it's the type of thing
0: that, as you allude to, we know inherently in our heart, but because of the cultures that we live in, it's so valuable for someone to do what you just did and just say, hey, by the way, you know this. Let me just remind you, you know this. And when you, as I'm listening to you speak... I feel this sense of strong recognition, like, "Oh, I know this information. This isn't about nano lipids. <laughs> this is about human hearts, and I know this." And I'm already. Look- I just looked out my window, and it's a beautiful day in New York here, like 60 degrees and sunny. And I'm like, oh. "I say, you know what? When I'm finished with this interview, I'll I'll make sure all the technical stuff is set up, and then I'm getting my ass outside." And it's just, it's, well, it's, for you. it's yeah, it's like the type of thing where there is never a downside of reminding someone. Of, of the the beauty of the potential beauty and the and all that's out there for human beings and and even in the face of tragedy and crises, uh, there was a George Bernard Shaw quote I believe where he said something like, "The world doesn't become less happy when someone dies, and it doesn't become less sad when someone laughs." It's it's I'm terribly paraphrasing this, but the point being is that it's not contradictory to go out and play with jellyfish. While there might be a looming food shortage, it's, it's if anything, a
1: hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah.
0: So thank you, Jessica. That was that was like unexpected, but a beautiful answer to that question and and a beautiful reminder. And I was gonna begin to wrap up by asking you what what type of message do you have for the audience? And I was like, okay, I think we just got the message for the audience there, where it's it's that speaks to everyone, or it it should speak yeah. to everyone, and, and the ones who
1: can't.
0: Yeah. The ones who can't hey, take either. it. Oh. Good. I'm
1: sorry. You go. No, I was just going to say, go, if your grandma and grandpa are still alive because everyone was focusing on saving grandma and grandpa, go, go to them and take their hands and, and, and walk with them in the park if you can, or something like, I, I really, really, really have a massive, um, respect and soft spot, I suppose for our elders. Um, and I think that they've been abused and mistreated, uh, beyond belief, uh, throughout this whole thing so if you still have um you know grandma and grandpa give them just a little bit of something um some kind of play themselves because i guarantee you they're going to be very, very 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 receptive to it it might actually make their entire week let alone day so um transfer your play to others too i guess is 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 uh an additional
0: message. Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful message. It is infectious. When you, when you connect with, with the childlike um, humanity inside us, it quite often resonates with the people in your vicinity, especially if they're related to you. And, and, and some people will will say you're being childish, but I, I prefer saying childlike. There's not, that's not an insult. You know, childish at times can be inappropriate, but you're, you're discussing a, a whole different level where it's, it's, uh, a message. No, there's
1: juvenile, and then there's childlike. Just like you said, Like yeah. I don't like juvenile. Juvenility is like really one of my my most loathed qualities in humans. <laughs> but that's very different from someone who's playful and uh, and childlike, like you said.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you could even go a little psychoanalytical, where the, that juvenile mindset is quite often what drives these parasites in charge. This this insecurity, totally. right? This insecurity, their attachments when they were young, and what they didn't have, and you just wonder what are they looking for, and can are they even capable of ever being satisfied?
1: Yeah, they weren't loved. That's for sure. Yeah. I don't know, man. It, it always seems to boil down to that. I mean you know maybe on the next one we could go into uh different between um psychopaths and sociopaths they they say that uh sociopaths are made and psychopaths are born but like you know i i think most of the people making really really horrid decisions that affect billions of people are probably closer to being sociopaths but yeah, yeah um i often wonder if they actually I know how cheesy this is gonna sound, but I, just from a psychological point of view, I wonder if they were smothered with love would 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 it benefit them at this point or are they too far gone I mean is is there a point of of no going back I mean I don't know I like to I believe
0: know. there's not. I like to believe there's not, it has to be, it has, it's a two way street. There has to be some receptivity or willingness on their part. And maybe there is, maybe there is, they just don't show that publicly. I don't know. I mean, this actually connects to you saying that that struggle to find empathy for the Bill Gateses and the Klaus Schwab's and these folks of the world. Can I find empathy for people who are behaving in a clearly evil manner? And this might be a step in that direction in terms of wondering what was missing in their life that that what void are they trying to fill with this insane agenda on their part and it's not to say they're having justifying anything they're doing but it is to see them as a fellow human being i i don't know i I can i can honestly say i haven't done that in recent memory and you've just sparked me to think all right maybe i should try and ponder that a little bit more because um it Sometimes it's it's far it's there's a lot more in common than we might imagine and it would ever want to imagine.
1: Yeah, it's not only that; it's know thy enemy as well. I mean, um, there are some places I can't go mentally. Uh, I'm not sure if people know what I mean by that, but it's like there are dark things that I don't ever want to see. If you know what I mean, yes, I'm sure there are things on the internet that I that I would never ever ever want to see. So it's like. They, yeah, but on a certain level, you do have to try, if you're trying to defeat your enemy, you have to try to understand them, or or you won't be able to reach some kind of common ground where you'll be able to find, you know, what their Achilles heel is, for example. Yep. So you kind of have to become them in a way, uh, but not go too far, because then you might actually become yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> But you You know what might actually be what a lot of people did they just went too far ah
0: (laughs) that's a scary thought wow like how far is too far i guess it's for each person to decide but yeah you don't want to know too much about them but you just managed to tie it back to me saying that that um be, being a person who tries to find the truth and share it is has a parallel to martial arts in the sense that you become your enemy. You 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 read the the art of war and it's it's applicable to many many aspects of life and and uh, yeah that's very unexpected but um wonderful conversation um all right so before we wrap up um since we started out by saying it's been eight months since we talked and we talked a little bit about what. Been going on for the past eight months i'm not going to ask you to predict the next eight months but what in your mind do you feel must happen in order for us to head into a much better direction over the next eight months
1: um wow um well it's just a numbers game i guess um I've been saying that it's like, I, I have absolutely no idea how this is going to play out. I would never, ever claim to know that. But um, there is, it's it's kind of interesting because it parallels you know, the the immune system and a virus. It's like, who's going to win out? Or is the virus going to replicate to certain levels and then the, the T cells and B cells will come along and take care of them? So it's like, will the numbers of people who are injured... Uh, be recognized their actual numbers be recognized in in time I suppose it's about time for the the legacy media to start to roll because Mm. I think that actually does need to happen and it will because this is all politics and politicians are playing games and if they see that they're going to lose the game if they keep following the stupid narrative then they're going to flip the board over. That's my opinion. So me, Steve Kirsch and I were talking about this last night and we're very much agreed on this. Like the people who come forward now, who've kind of been maintaining this uh, status quo narrative, safe safe and effective, blah, blah, blah. The ones who come forward at this point are going to have a lot of people standing behind them. Hmm. It's going to be very, very difficult personally for certain people to do this, but when I guarantee it, when they do, and I think it is when they're going to have an enormous amount of support behind them. They're going to have a lot of um, uh, not support as well because you know there's a lot of evil going on. But um, anybody, we were talking about the the FDA, the CDC, um, HHS, all this stuff. I mean, clearly they're they're not operating as they should, and they're. Uh, if you want to call it captured, uh, you know, uh, lobbied to death—I don't know—but nonetheless, there are people working there. There are human beings left. And Paul Offit's recently so-called come to our side because he's actually on the front line, seeing the lunacy of of the procedures. They're they're just going on in front of his eyes, like passing things off as safe after testing them on eight mice and Mm -hmm. having all the mice get sick, for example. So I think that what needs to happen is the the race for the the number of people to acknowledge this problem um, and the people who are trying to digitize us and get the 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 social credit score thing operational that that is the race going on now so it's it's really 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 100 percent about the people it's going to depend on whether or not we have enough and it's going to depend on whether or not we have enough saying no because that's all that's what's going to end this it's just going to be a certain number of people saying no, I don't want to be digitized. No, I don't want to live in a communist country where I have to have a social credit score. I wanna have my farm. I wanna eat meat. I want to uh go to the sea when I want to, I wanna mate with with you know, people and have babies, et cetera. You know what I mean.
0: Yeah. No, I I I love that. Earlier on, we were talking about the human uh, factor in those giving out the injections and saying we can't neglect that these are individual humans. And it would be disingenuous to not aim that same lens at the people that you just mentioned, the people who work in these, I- these organizations who are catching on or maybe are just gathering the uh, courage to say, I can't do this anymore. And because they're human beings, they are reachable and they we don't even know when they're going to reach critical mass and it could be a lot of them at once and boom, there yes. you ha- then you have it right there.
1: Wow. Totally. And, and that, that really, that is in line with, um, with dynamical systems in, in nature. I mean, we, we can't predict uh, you know, uh, spontaneous events. Uh, that's the beauty of chaos. I mean, things sink happens when it happens because of the circumstances so maybe maybe those circumstances are going to be created um through who who knows what events coming together and and a mass a mass literally a mass of people just saying enough is enough yep you know we want to be on the right, the so-called right side of history. I, I don't like that phrase either, but you know what I
0: mean. Yeah, it's it's funny. Sometimes you use phrases, not you, but all of us use, um, we all know what it means. Maybe we're not crazy about it, but I know exactly what you mean. And and that's, that's the goal. And I want to thank you for the work that you do is because you're helping create fertile ground for more people to reach that critical mass and to recognize that that what that they've been duped it's not something to feel ashamed of but it is something to turn around now and share the information with others and as you said and just say no the 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 moment we stop complying the house of cards will fall and and i i do agree with you like i think I feel confident that we're moving in that direction and there is no reason to let up off the gas at this point. Just keep getting the word out there, speaking positively. Um, You mentioned earlier that there are schisms within the so-called freedom movement. It's inevitable. It's just, we can't fall into the pattern of of, um, the woke movement where everything is litmus tests. Uh, You can be an ally of someone without marching in lockstep with them. And that's a lesson that, that I've had to learn because I come out of the left more and I look back now and say, there were times where I wasn't um, willing to connect with somebody that would have been an ally and potentially a friend. And over the past couple of years, I find myself connecting with people from all walks of life and really appreciating it. So, um, so thank you so much, Jessica, your, your work is indispensable, but more so your spirit is what makes the difference because, you know, we have, we live in a culture where science is, is, is kind of gobbledygook to a lot of us and what we connect with is you have the information but the way you you make it so accessible and you share your humanity so openly that people are more receptive and more willing to listen and that combination is rare and for that again I say thank you.
1: Oh, that's really nice. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I have red cheeks now. Thank you. That's-
0: <laughs> well, I'm um, just speaking the truth and let's, um, let's, it's September. Let's try and do this again before the end of the year and, and, and not let eight months pass because I love sharing, ha- having you on to share what you want to, to, to my audience, but also I just enjoy talking to you. So in any, I know you're busy, but I'm, I might reach out in a month or so and just say, Hey, you want to set something up near the holidays and, and follow up some more because it's always a pleasure to talk to you.
1: Yeah, this was really nice for me too. And anytime, time, um, I'll I'll have surfed some better waves, so I'll have some good uh, some good nice. stories. <laughs>
0: um, I'm looking forward to that. So thank you so much. I will put your Substack in the um, in the show notes so people can find you and follow you. And just again, appreciate all that you do.
1: Me too. Uh, right back at you, and uh, and let's hope everyone in the universe listens to this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll be back with some closing thoughts after one more word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z again. I trust you're enjoying this episode. And if so, I would really, really appreciate it if you would become a paid subscriber. For just $5 a month, less than 17 cents a day, you can support this Substack and this podcast. Your help is essential and it's crucial and it's you who keeps this project going and growing. So thank you for listening. Thank you in advance for becoming a paid subscriber. And please spread the word. And while you're at it, please check the show notes for a link to a really kick-ass post-woke t-shirt. The sales have been going up. People are out there showing off what their favorite podcast is. And now it's time for you to join the team. So once again, thank you in advance. And let's get back to the show. For as long as I've been writing articles and books and giving public talks and now podcasting, I've done my best to aim to bluntly challenge conventional wisdom. For doing the grunt work of digging up uncomfortable truths, I've often heard the refrain, why are you so negative? On more than one occasion, I have replied to this blatant straw man. So I've put together for you now an amalgam of those responses from over the years. Now, some of these notes were written before I came to fully recognize the charade of activism, but the basic premises hold. If not for the cult of wokeism and the scourge of virtue signaling, becoming an activist could be an incredibly positive experience, creating community, inspiring change, feeling empowered. While most humans choose to use their meager time chasing money, collecting possessions, scrolling on their phones, and obsessing over pop culture, some folks see a bigger picture, a longer view, a deeper connection. However, being an effective activist also requires us to tear off the blinders and become acutely aware of how our compliance has enabled the powers that shouldn't be to devastate the planet. When you call me negative, what does that word even mean in this context? For example, if you brought your car in for a tune-up, do you want the mechanic to compliment you for keeping your tire pressure at the right level, but stay away from a negative topic like your brakes being defective? Of course not. You would be thrilled to be empowered by this information, take steps to correct it, and to be able to protect yourself and others. But why then do so many humans shut down when confronted with the realities of our current social, economic, political, and environmental crises? Why is an analysis that presents a dose of reality smugly dismissed as negative? Don't you want to know what's going on and how you can help address it beyond minor lifestyle changes, virtue signaling, and rigged party politics? Why not save your knee-jerk negative retort for those who directly or indirectly support the big bank-sponsored destruction of our human autonomy? Newsflash, it's not negativity that's the issue here, friends. It's denial. Antonio Gramsci once wrote, I'm a pessimist because of intelligence, but an optimist because of will. I could think of no better guidelines. Do not shy away from learning the ugly realities of the parasite class, but never let these brutal truths prevent you from taking urgent action and believing you can create change and save human and non-human lives. It's a delicate balance, but our ability to walk this fine line could literally make all the difference in the world. Translation: We need a planet brimming with pessimistic optimists, every single one of them keeping their guard up.